Praise the Lord. I have uh, the great honor and the great privilege to introduce to you to our guest speaker this morning. I know that you guys are like sitting on the edge of your chair. You just trying to figure out who it is this morning. Um, but I have to say that I'm, I'm very proud of this young man. Uh, you could actually say young man of God. And um, I'm sure his parents are prouder. And I'm sure God is just thrilled. Um, and uh, so I just want to give a warm welcome to this young man as he comes, Josiah DeRose. Um, he's going to share with us the Word of God. And I believe what he's got to say this morning is what God has for us. So as, as we hear the Word and as we listen to the message, ask that you would open your heart and receive it. And um, not just this Sunday, but every Sunday, God wants to speak to us. And he uses other people to speak to us. Amen. Amen. And um, I'm just, uh, again, welcome. Well, good morning, everybody. It's always a blessing for me to be here. Um, as You know, we sang so many songs this morning about the faithfulness of God. You know, there's no one like him who can compare. And as we were singing those, I'm just kind of reflecting on you know, my life and the life of my family. I know I had the opportunity to speak here I think four or five years ago, and this church is actually the first place um, I had the opportunity to preach. So this is kind of where my preaching ministry started, and it was really cool for me because uh, my grandpa Kennedy has preached from this pulpit. My dad went to Bible school here. He preached from this pulpit, and then just having the opportunity uh, to come back and preach myself, you just see the faithfulness of God through the generations, and so it's an, it's an honor and a privilege for me to be able to speak this morning. Um, I, I do believe I have something that is encouraging for everyone. Um, I'm going to be talking about a topic that I think everybody in this room will be able to relate to, whether now or at some point in your life. Um, and of all things, the company Amazon gives us insight into this topic. <laughs> so in 2007, Amazon released the, the Kindle. Does anybody have a Kindle reader? So the Kindle Reader, it's basically book, electronic books, e-books. Now, one of the features that I love about the e-books is they have something called popular highlights. Does anybody know what I'm talking about with popular highlights? So if you have an e-book, if, you, if you've ever had an e-book and you've read through it, there are certain portions of the book, whether it's a text or whether it's a sentence or a paragraph where it's underlined in grayscale, you can click on it and it'll tell you um, how many people have highlighted that of, of all the people that have had that book. So it's basically telling you this is important. Maybe 400 people highlighted this, 700 people highlighted this, and it's saying that this spoke to people. People related with this. People wanted to come back to this. And so what, what Amazon did is they, they keep a database of all the highlights of every book. So fiction, nonfiction, the Bible, self-help books, everything, Anytime you highlight something, if you've highlighted something in that, Amazon has stored it in a database. And so that's how they're able to compose this popular highlights feature in their books. Now, I don't think it's any surprise that the Bible is the most highlighted book of all time. There's so much, that, there's so much good there. There's so much that you can get from the Bible. I don't think it's any surprise. I wasn't surprised when I heard that the Bible was the most highlighted book of all time. But in the Bible, there, were, there was a passage of scripture that was the most highlighted in the Bible. What do you think that was? 
You would think John 3.16, right? How many of you have that memorized in this room? A lot of us have it memorized, right? We learn it when we're young. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Right? It's, it's the gospel message in one verse. But it wasn't John 3.16. You might say, well, maybe it was Psalm 23. How many have memorized Psalm 23? Or at one point in their life memorized Psalm 23? <laughs> I don't think I could say it from memory right now. But Psalm 23, it's this incredible poetic chapter about our good shepherd and how he takes care of us through the highs and the lows. He provides, he, he takes us by still waters. He prepares tables for us in the presence of our enemies. But it wasn't Psalm 23. Get this, the most highlighted verse in the Bible, so this is the most highlighted verse in the most highlighted book of all time, was found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. This is what it says. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you know that 40 million adults in the U.S. alone struggle with some form of anxiety? 40 million adults in the U.S. alone struggle with some form of anxiety. And so this is what Amazon's telling us, right? Amazon's telling us that people are looking for peace. People struggle with things. They have anxieties. They have fears. They have worries. And so Amazon's given us this insight and saying that people are looking for peace. And as I was going over this scripture verse, I was, there's certain things within the scripture verse that just stuck out to me, certain points in it that I want to share with you this morning. There's three points that I, I kind of pulled from it. And there's, speci there's especially one that I think Paul kind of gives us insight into unlocking the peace of God in our hearts. And so that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is how do, we, how do we get that peace of God, this peace that everyone's looking for in this world? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll be with us this morning. Lord, I lift up every person in this room. You know everything that people are dealing with. You know the anxieties, the worries, and the fears. Lord, and I'm praying that, that we could be encouraged this morning as we look into your word. God, these aren't my words. These aren't my methods. Lord, this is your word speaking to us about the peace of God. And I pray that we could all leave this, this place with just a supernatural peace in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. So the, the type of anxieties I want to I talk about this morning are anxieties that are caused because of uncertainties in our life or maybe circumstances in our life, which are the majority of the anxieties that people face, right? Something happens, causes anxiety. Or maybe there's uncertainty of future and, and we get all worked up about it. You know, how are things going to pan out in our life? And so Paul, he gives us these three points. All right, so let me read the first part of that again in Philippians 4 verse 6. First off, this is what he says. He says, do not be anxious about anything. So if you're taking notes, point one is be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. I thought it was really interesting that our English word anxiety was derived from a Latin word that means to choke or to strangle. How many of you have ever felt like that? That, that your anxieties, your worries, you're just choking. 
You can't, you can't breathe. It's just, you can't get past it. This is, this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying that there's nothing in this life that should choke out the peace of God in your heart. He's setting this precedent. Before we even get into how do we deal with our anxiety, he's setting this precedent that there's no anxiety that the peace of God can't cover. There's not, no circumstance in our hearts, and in, in our minds, in, the, in our life, the things that we deal with, that the peace of God cannot be applied to. And how many believe that? How many believe that the peace of God or that God is bigger than everything we face? Do you believe that? But how many, ta- how many of you know that when we're in the middle of something, it doesn't always seem that way? You, have you been there? You're in the middle of, of anxiety. You're in the middle of worry. You're in the middle of a circumstance. And all of a sudden, mentally, you know that God is bigger than it all, but it just doesn't feel like it. It's almost like if you take the sun, for example. The sun is however many times bigger than the earth, thousands of times bigger than the earth, right? But if you take a quarter and you place it up against the sun and you keep bringing it closer and closer, there comes a point where the quarter will cover the sun. Now, we all know that the quarter is nowhere near the size of the sun, right? It's not even close. But because of our perspective, all of a sudden, this quarter appears to be bigger than the sun. And I think that that's kind of how it is in our life sometimes is, is as worry kind of gets close to us and as we start dealing with things, we know that it's not bigger than God. We know that the peace of God can cover it, but it just doesn't feel like that. And so what Paul is saying is he's saying that you can't say that it's just too complicated. You can't say that you don't know what I'm going through. There's, there's no excuses. He's saying that there's nothing that the peace of God can't cover. Be anxious for nothing. And if there's anybody in Scripture that can make this claim, it was the Apostle Paul. Right? Here's what's crazy to me. So the Apostle Paul, this book that we're reading out of Philippians, all it was is it was a letter to a group of Christians in Philippi. Now, what's crazy to me is the theme of this letter was was encouragement. He's trying to encourage these Christians. Now, get this. As he's writing this letter of encouragement, saying, be anxious for nothing, He's sitting in a Roman prison. And he has the possibility of an execution looming over his head. Yet this is the guy that's telling the church in Philippi, don't be anxious about anything. Not only did did the Apostle Paul have just this execution looming over his head, not only did he have, um, you know, was he in prison, but I want to read to you something in 2 Corinthians. You don't have to turn there. But 2 Corinthians, Paul gives us a little bit of insight into some of the things that he's dealt with in his life. Listen to some of the things that he's dealt with. He said, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. This was the most severe beating a man could receive under Jewish law. Five times he received it. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. He's talking about the account in Acts where the Bible says he was stoned so badly everyone assumed he was dead. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure." So this is a man who knew the feeling of uncertainty. This is a man who had sleepless nights. 
This is a man that was in danger all around him. His whole life was encompassed by danger from so many different areas. So if anybody had an excuse to be anxious or to worry about something, it would be Paul. He'd been through so much, yet he's the one that's telling us, don't be anxious about anything. And it's not just Paul that's saying this. This is God speaking through a human vessel, telling us that there's nothing in our lives that his peace can't cover. Amen? There's nothing in our lives that his peace can't cover. So he starts off, he says, be anxious for nothing. And then he goes into point two. I'll read verse six again. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So secondly, here's what he's saying. He's saying, pray about everything. Point two is pray about everything. And what he's saying is, God should be the first place that you go to when you start to feel worry, when you start to feel anxiety. That means before your husband or your wife, means before your church family, before your pastor, before your therapist, before your doctor, before anything. God is the first place that we should be going to. That's not minimizing, you know, the the impact and the things that we can receive from people around us. But he's saying that the very first place that we should go to when we begin to struggle with things is God. We can pray about everything. In preparation for this sermon, I read an article that was just kind of, it was trying to help people work through anxiety. So it had like a list of seven different points to try to help people work through anxiety. How How do you overcome anxiety? And this is what the article said. It said things like exercise more, avoid alcohol and drugs, eat healthy, share your experiences with others, open up about it, try to put things in perspective. Now those are good things, those are helpful things, but it was lacking the most important thing, which is God. And here's here's what, what I want to tell you this morning is things And people can bring comfort in our life, but only God can bring peace. People and things can bring comfort, but only God can give us peace. You're not going to find the peace that you're looking for in a method. You're not going to find it in a person. You're not going to find it in a program. The peace, ultimately, that we're looking for in this life is only going to be found in God. So he's telling us, Take everything to God. He's the first place that we should go. And what he's also saying is that we can go with everything. There's nothing too big or too small. Have you ever been there where you, you wonder if you should pray about something because it just seems a little insignificant? <laughs> it's funny how we think sometimes. But he's, he's telling us in everything, doesn't matter how big or how small it is, we come to God in prayer. I like the way, um, I heard it put this way. I like the way they said it. It says, there's nothing too great for God's power, and nothing too small for his fatherly care. So we pray about everything. And if you think about it, the reason that we're, to- that we're commanded not to be anxious about anything is because we can in turn pray about everything. The reason he commands us not to be anxious about anything is because we can pray about everything. So be anxious for nothing, pray about everything, and then he gets into this third point. And this is, this is the point that I think it's so easy to miss. It's only two words in the passage, 
But I think it's, it's one of the most important parts of the passage. Let's read it again. Verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, here it is, two words, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So point number three, he's telling us to pray with thanksgiving. Do you know that most of our worries and our anxieties are rooted in the lack of trust in God? Now I know we don't like to hear that because we like to think that, that we trust God. We like to think, and I think sometimes we confuse a, a mental knowledge as, an, as a trust. It's almost like if you're on a roller coaster. How many of you have been on a roller coaster before? Right? You know that the roller coaster is structurally sound. You know you're not going to fall. But as soon as you go down that drop, you clamp up. Right? You're not really trusting it. Even though you know, you know you're not going to fall, you're not really trusting it. Because the moment comes and you just clamp up. And it can be like that in our lives. Like we, we know that we can trust God, but knowing that we can trust him is different than actually trusting him. Now you might be saying, well, what, is, what does trust have to do with this passage of scripture? It didn't say that we come with our requests you know, in trust. It says it, with thanksgiving. So what's the correlation? Listen to this. The way that Merriam-Webster defines thankful is this, to be conscious of a benefit received. So to be thankful is to be conscious of a benefit received. It means that you're reminding yourself of the faithfulness of God. You're reminding yourself of the promises of God. You're reminding yourself that the things that we go through in this life are just temporary, and there's going to be a day where we have no more death, we have no more pain, we have no more suffering. You're reminding yourselves of those things, and in reminding yourself of those things, you are now exercising a trust in God. So thankfulness Write this down. Thankfulness is an exercise of trust. And trust is the breeding ground for peace in our life. Thankfulness is an exercise of trust. And trust is the breeding ground for peace in our life. So what are, what are the benefits that you've received in Christ? As, as you're, you're thinking about the, the things that we go through and the, and the problems that we have, what are the benefits that you've received? What are the promises that you've been given? You see, what Paul is doing is he's giving us insight in how we're to pray. Yes, we, we're, we're commanded not to be anxious about anything. Yes, he's saying pray, pray about everything. But he's, he's giving us insight into praying with thanksgiving. In other words, it might look like this. Your prayer might be, God, I, I have so many health problems I just lost my job. My family's falling apart. Nothing seems to be going on, working in my life. God, I'm praying that you help me get through this. These are my situations, but I thank you that you promise you work everything for good for those who love God. Or maybe you, your, your prayer is, God, I'm, I'm so afraid of relationships. I get so anxious around people. I've been, I've been hurt. I don't, I don't know how I can trust again. And, I'm, I'm at, and I, I just get so anxious around people and, and I, I worry, I, I stress out about my relationships because I don't know if I can really trust again. God, this is my situation, but I thank you that you promised that you're never going to leave me or forsake me and that ultimately my identity is not found in my relationships with the people around me. My identity is found in my maker. My identity is found in my relationship with you. Amen? Or maybe your prayer is, God, 
my future is so uncertain right now. I, I, I only prepare one week ahead. I don't know what's going to happen in my future. Things are so uncertain. This is my situation, God. I'm asking that you bring this peace to my life. But I thank you that you have everything under control. You see the bigger picture and you know what you're doing. Right? Do you see the difference? We're not just bringing our, our problems. We're not just bringing our concerns before God. But we're exercising the trust in the promises and the faithfulness of God as we come with thanksgiving. Do you see the difference? And all of a sudden, when our requests are, made, are met with thanksgiving, our prayers are taken to a whole new level. Because we're now exercising a trust in God. And I think that, like I said earlier, I think that a lot of people, can, we can stop at the first two points. Or somehow we, it, we don't make it to Thanksgiving sometimes. I've been there. Sometimes I have to remind myself, wow, like, my life is just all negative. Like, that's, that's what it seems like in my prayers or in my comments and stuff like that. Sometimes I have to remind myself just to think about what I can be thankful for. You know, thankfulness is not one time a year when we celebrate Thanksgiving. It's an everyday thing of our life. If our concerns and our cares are new every morning, our thanks should be new every morning as well. Now, I don't know, has anyone ever received unhelpful advice in how to deal with your worry or anxiety? Because I think people, some people, they, they just get to point one. It says, be anxious for nothing. Right? How many of you have been told, just don't worry about it? <laughs> has anybody ever received that advice? You're just stressed now, just don't worry about it. It's like, wow, thank you for that incredible advice. I just felt the anxiety melt off my body, right? No, actually, it's probably more like, well, now I'm worried that I can't stop worrying, so now you've added more worry to my life, right? It doesn't work that way. It's almost like telling someone not to think of something. Let me just demonstrate. I want all of you not to think of a pink elephant. All right, what are you thinking of? <laughs> right? So to tell someone not to worry... It, it doesn't, do, it doesn't help us. If we stop at point one, it doesn't help us because we're not just trying to rid ourselves of something. It needs to be replaced with something. Our anxieties and our worries in life are not just to be rid of, they're to be replaced. They're to be replaced with the trust. And then you get people who maybe make it to the second point. Pray about everything. How many of you have been told as you've opened up and shared your heart with people, you just got to pray more. Maybe in some cases that's right. Maybe if, if we've been looking everywhere else but God, maybe that could be the case. But I think a, a lot of the situations in our life, we've already been praying about. I pray about it every morning. I pray about it every night. I have my church family praying with me. If you're married, you have your spouse praying with you. It's like, what does that mean? I, I have to pray more. Maybe Praying more is not the answer. Listen to this. We can come to God with anything and everything. But not every prayer that we pray is going to cause us to leave the presence of God with a peace in our heart. Some of you might be like, whoa, what did he just say? I prayed and I, I'm not going to leave with peace. Did you know that you can spend an hour in the presence of God? talking about your concerns, and, and yes, it's, he tells us to pray about everything, but then to turn around and walk away still carrying those burdens and not trusting God, do you know that you can do that? And so maybe praying more is not the answer. Maybe we need to take it a step further. 
into point three where he talks about coming with thanksgiving. And then you get people who they just skip over the thanksgiving part and they, they go straight to the trust. How many of you have been told you just got to trust God? It's true, but like what does that mean? How do I just trust God? Do I just close my eyes and go, okay, God, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you, and you pace back and forth until you start to feel something? Like, what does that mean? It's kind of an abstract concept of, of how do I trust? Yes, it's true, but how do I trust? And that's why I love what Paul is saying is because he gives us something practical to exercise our trust. You bring your concerns, and you bring it with thanksgiving. And when you bring it with th thanksgiving, you're exercising trust in God, and when you're exercising trust in God, all of a sudden we get to verse 7 where it says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Man, a peace that passes, surpasses all understanding. I love what one commentator said about this. He said this, that does not mean that the peace of God is such a mystery that the human mind cannot understand it. Although this is also true, it means that the peace of God is so precious that the human mind, with all its skill and all its knowledge, can never produce it. That means the peace that we've been seeking so hard for in our life, that we've tried to find in relationships, in things, in other people maybe, in the type of work that we do, in our gifts and abilities, whatever, everywhere else we're trying to look for peace, it can't offer that. Our peace is found in God alone. And here's the awesome thing, and this is why I think it, it speaks, this verse, as Amazon showed, it speaks to so many people, is it's available. The peace of God is available for us in our life. Amen? Do you believe it? The peace of God is available to us in our life. So we're commanded, don't be anxious about anything. We pray about everything. And we pray with thanksgiving. And I want to close with this story. You know, we're, we're going to go into a time of communion after this. And this is a perfect time. You know, why do we come in communion? Why are we commanded to come into communion? In remembrance. So we're reminding ourselves of what, God has, of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We're reminding ourselves of the promises we're reminding ourselves of, the, of his faithfulness. So as we go into a time of communion after this, I just want us to all just begin to thank God, begin to reflect, begin to remind yourself of God's goodness in your life, of God's faithfulness in your life. But, be, but before we do that, I want to end with this story. There's this man that lived in the 1800s whose name was Horatio Spafford. All right, this, was, this man, he was a successful lawyer, and he was a businessman in Chicago. He had a wife named Anna and five kids, four daughters and one son. And his life, he lived a normal life. He, he, he was a wealthy man, but he had a good life. And all of a sudden, in 1871, tragedy started to hit his family. His only son, at two years old, contracted pneumonia and quickly passed away. And then later that year, the Great Chicago Fire happened and burned a lot of the buildings that he was invested in. So he had, he had the death of a loved one. He had investments and, and business transactions and interactions that, that were just decimated. And then two years later, in 1873, came the real trial in his life. 
Mr. Spafford, he, he planned a trip to Europe with his, with his four daughters and his wife. And unfortunately, something came up with business. There, came, there was a, a business problem, so he had to stay back in Chicago, and he sent his, his, his uh, four daughters and his wife ahead on this ship. And as the ship went out to sea, it was tragically struck by another ship, and all four daughters drowned, and his wife was the only one who survived. And so she telegrams him once she, she got to safety, and she just she said, saved alone. So this, this man is, who's already been through so, so much in his life gets this news that his four daughters just passed away. And so he gets on the, the next available ship and he, he start, he's on his journey to try to meet up with his grieving wife. And as they got near the area where the ship had sunk that his daughters were on, the skipper of the ship pointed out that this is, this is where the ship went down. And as they're passing, he's he's standing on the deck of the ship looking at the area where his four daughters had just drowned. Now, I can't imagine the thoughts that are going through his mind in that moment. The questions. Maybe he was angry, angry at God. Maybe he was angry at himself because maybe he shouldn't have sent them ahead. What What if he would have just chose a week later? So many questions. Maybe there was concern about how he was ever going to go on with life after this, how his wife was going to be able to cope with this. Think of all the things that he could have been thinking in that moment. Yet it was on that ship, on the deck of that ship, as he's passing by where his daughters had drowned, where he wrote these stirring words. He said, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Amen. And how many people has that song comforted? And so as we get ready to go into a time of communion, let's just come with thanksgiving. Listen, I, I'm, I don't want to downplay the things that people go through. I don't know your, your, your anxieties. I don't know your worries. I don't know your situations and your circumstances. And I'd, I'd never be insensitive and downplay what you're going through. But I want to encourage you with this, is that the peace of God can be applied to your situation, wherever you're at. So I want to encourage us as we go into this time of communion, just to come with thanksgiving. God knows our concerns. We've been praying about our concerns. We've been praying about our issues. God knows what we're going through. Let's come with thanksgiving now, thanking him for his promises. Thanking, reminding ourselves of the faithfulness that, that he's done in our lives in the past. Reminding ourselves that we have a future where we're no longer going to have to deal with these things. There's going to come a day where everything that we go through in this life is going to seem so, so small and so insignificant compared to the glory of being with God who created us in his image, dwelling in, a, in an environment of love and perfection. It's, all this is going to seem so insignificant. So let's remind ourselves this morning of the faithfulness and the promises of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible promise of an of a all-surpassing peace. Lord, and you know our struggles, you know our situations, you know the things that we deal with. God, and, and we just proclaim that you have everything under control. God, you're working things for our good even though we can't see it, even though we don't understand it, even though we don't 
can't even possibly fathom how there could be any good coming out of some of these things. God, but we come to you with thanksgiving in our hearts, thanking you for your faithfulness in our life, thanking you that you love us, thanking you that you freed us, thanking that, that, that when once we couldn't have fellowship with God, that, that we can now enter that holy of holies and we can have a relationship with God Almighty. We thank you that you promise that you have everything under control. God, and I pray that you would just unleash your peace in our hearts this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen.